Good morning, everybody. All right, if you've got your Bibles, uh, we're going to be in John chapter 10 in just a few minutes. So we'll do a quick review before we get there. But John chapter 10, if you want to head that way. So this is week four of our seven-week series on the seven I am's of Jesus. That he, this, these statements that he makes, uh, his claims of divinity uh, in the book of John. So we'll do a quick review. Uh, week one was, you remember, me robbing Publix, so I am the... The bread of life, yep, it's your first blank. Uh, I didn't rob, we paid them. It was just a lot of bread, so sorry, that came out wrong. Uh, week two is I am the light of the world, right? I'm the light of the world. And then last week, I am the door of the sheep. Yes, I'm the door of the sheep. So um, I was telling somebody this last week, I want to do a series eventually on just the stuff in the Bible, which sounds kind of random, but it would be kind of random. Just pick an object that shows up over time in Scripture and see how things are connected to it and what the thematic elements are as it moves through the story of redemption. Um, and I've, I've enjoyed that with each one of these things, and we'll do that again today with I Am the Good Shepherd. So, so we'll jump back. You don't have to turn there, but we'll jump back to Exodus chapter 3 real quick, and this is where the I Am began. Uh, that's Boy, that's theologically wrong, isn't it? Somebody help me with a better way to say that. First introduced. The, the I am is introduced to man. Here we go. I don't know that that's theologically correct either. That's where I am first shows up in the Bible. There we go. We'll start with that. We'll start with that. Okay. I'm going to stand before God and give an account of every word that I say, and I'd like them to be as theologically accurate as I can, So, seeing as how I've said a lot of them in this space. So Exodus 3, 13 and 14, and Moses is talking to God, and he says, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they say to me, what is his name? What shall I say to them? And God says to Moses, I am who I am. It's basically just, I exist. I'm going to be here. I'm going to be here with you. I'm not going to leave you alone. And this is, this is God's promise to, uh, to Moses and those descendants and to us uh, today as his children. Um, so what's the big deal about I am? Uh, for me, it's permanence. Uh, for me, it's not the promise that God has given us an easy life. It is the promise that God is going to hold our hands through life no matter what happens. Um, and that's, those are two completely different views of the world rather than everything is going to be nice and easy versus I have someone who will go before me and with me and around me through this and with this, and it is completely different. So when Jesus shows up in the New Testament 1,500 years after this conversation with Moses and he says this phrase, ego eme, which is the, the Greek for I am, all of the religious leaders' ears perk up and they go, whoa, 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 you are making a claim here to be something that we know who this is and you don't get to do that. So at the end of each one of these little conversations where he, has, he makes this statement, I am, these religious leaders try to attack him and they pick up stones and they try to bring uh, their, their judicial system to bear on him. And a couple times it's kind of neat because the text just says, and he moved through the crowd and, and left. And you're like, well, how do you pull that off? Well, he's God, so it's kind of easy, right? It's think of every scenario that you have available to you, every option, every skill, every talent, every idea, and he created all those, so I think he's okay with that. We, we, we've got some options there that, that we're not thinking about. So this week one, uh, we looked at I'm the bread of life. What, what did he do the day before that he made that statement? Anybody remember? 
he fed 5,000 people with bread and fish. So then he shows up the next day and he says, I'm the bread of life, because he's trying to point people with these miracles to himself, which is not selfish, it is righteous, because only God is, uh, has that ability. So in week two, we looked at I'm the light of the world, and what was going on uh, at the temple uh, during that week when he said, I'm the light of the world. Anybody remember? Yeah, the Feast of Tabernacles. And they had this elaborate lighting ceremony every single night at the temple. And for hours and hours and hours, this amazing light show uh, with these candles and different things. And there were, the Levites danced and sang. And I, I didn't know the Levites danced, but the Levites danced. It was amazing, right? So good stuff. Who knew? Multi-skilled guys. Uh, so week, that was a joke. You can laugh or not. It's okay. Uh, they won't get better. Uh, so week three last week was the I am the door of the sheep. And what did he do right before he said, I'm the door of the sheep? There was somebody that he met and he spit, which is weird because we don't think about God spitting, but God spit. And, okay. Yeah, he healed the eyes of a blind man. This, man. this man's eyes were opened. And what do doors do? Doors open and doors close. So he's setting these things up each week before he gets there. And then the text today comes right on the heels of him saying, I am the door of the sheep. So let's go to John chapter 10. And let's start with verse uh, 11. So today he says, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep, but a hireling. He may have a different translation there. A hired hand, right? A hired hand. He who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep. The implication is here is somebody who doesn't care as much about the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. Now, if you're the sheep, how do you feel about this person? This person is not out to help you. This person is out to help themselves. They're there for a paycheck. And the wolf catches the sheep and, what does it say? Scatters them. Does it say kills them? No, it says scatters them, right? The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I, Jesus is talking, am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. So there's a lot of things going on in this text, but there's a lot of things about relationships of sacrifice and relationships of knowledge. I know the sheep, the sheep know me. I know the Father, the Father knows me, and I'm willing to sacrifice myself for these folks. So the thing I want to look at today in Scripture is let's talk about shepherds, right? So let's talk about shepherds. So well, I like kind of what we did last week with the assigning numbers and looking up those passages. I promise not to assign anybody a whole book of the Bible this week. Um, I did forget that I had put the book of Ezekiel in the notes last week, and the lady that I called on, she just kind of looked at me like, I, like, really? I mean, it's the whole book. I was like, okay. So I apologize to her afterward if you uh, were wondering about that. So uh, we're going to do the numbers 1 through 20. I may skip a couple of these depending on how, how much time it takes to go through them. So Zeke, can you do number one? That'd be awesome. Actually, Shanda, can you do number one? That would be a little more appropriate. Zeke, we'll do you number two. Uh, three. Three here. Yep. Four. Uh, five. I'm looking. I'm looking. Miss Mila, five. Tim, six. Seven. Got a smile. That's eight. Yep. Awesome. Nine. Ten. Eleven. Twelve. Thirteen. I got seven more. 14, 15, 37, 42. Oh, no, sorry. There it was. 16, right? 17, Albert. You got to take it there since I did it. Uh, you got to be at fight night if you want to understand that joke. So who's got 18, 19, and 20? 18, 19, Tim, and 20. Here we go. Awesome. So 
Hopefully you've had time to find Genesis 29.9, Ms. Shanda. You got it? Yes, sir. All right. So now this is the first mention of this word in the Bible, which is kind of a big deal in the Scriptures because sometimes the first mention sets up other things. And sometimes the first mention tells us things that we weren't really expecting and it catches us off guard. So this one caught me off guard. So let's read Genesis 29.9. While he was still talking with them, Rachel came with her father's sheep. Who came? Rachel. Rachel. Does that sound like a man or a woman? Amen. That's a woman. Okay. Great. Rachel came with her father's sheep, for she was a shepherd. She was a shepherd. Ladies, did you know there was a female shepherd in the Bible? If your name is Rachel, you perhaps knew that Rachel was a shepherd because you perhaps have studied this passage. I, however, have skipped over that word all the times I've ever read the scripture, so didn't remember that. So your first blank uh, on the list of numbers here is the first mention of a shepherd in the Bible is a female shepherd, which I think is kind of cool. I like it. So, Zeke, you got the second one? Yes, sir. Awesome. Joseph is the fool of a wild donkey. Which is a, wor- a weird way to start a verse, right? Mm-hmm. All right, so let me give you some context. So Joseph is the foal of a wild donkey, which, you know, that's kind of weird. So Jacob, Joseph's daddy, is on his deathbed, and he's talking to each one of his sons, and he gives, them, uh, he gives some of them like a blessing, and he gives some of them this weird descriptions of their lives and what's going to happen next, and then some of them are just like really out there. And, and looking at it from, if, if you take the... If you take the divine revelation of Scripture out of it and you just read the text, you almost get the feeling that he may be hallucinating here a little bit because he, he's like way up and down and emotionally all over the place. So, so let's see what he says about Joseph here. The full of a wild donkey at a spring. One of the wild donkeys on the ridge. Archers attacked him savagely. They shot at him and harassed him. But his bow remained taut. And his arms were strengthened by the hands of the mighty one of Jacob. And who's the mighty one of Jacob? Listen to your wife. God. Yes, absolutely. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She got it, so we'll go with her. The mighty one of Jacob, that's God. And then what's it say next? By the shepherd. By the shepherd. Who are we still talking about? God. God. Yes, so God is brought in here as this shepherd, right? So we have this, this first reference to God as a shepherd. Uh, who's got numbers 14, 26 through 38? Uh, I don't want you to read the whole thing. Can you, have you read it already? Not, not, all, not of all of it? <laughs> okay, so give me a feel for what's going on there for the part that you've read so far. Uh, no, no pressure here. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> so Moses and the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron. Yep. And they're talking about uh, the grumbling against God. Yes which is generally true in the book of Numbers. If anybody ever asks you what, what a chapter in the book of Numbers is about, they're griping about God. Almost always true. So. This is where he's saying only Caleb. Yes. This is kind of a big deal, right? So the, there were spies sent out to spy out the land. Uh, ten were bad and two were good. Yes, okay, thank you. There you go. That's your theology lesson for the day for your kids. Um, and how does God punish those that were associated with the bad report. Does anybody remember? They don't get to go to the promised land. They don't get to go to the land. What do they have to do? Wander. They have to wander. There's a specific word that God uses, a job that tells them that they will do for 40 years. You know what the job he tells them they're going to do is? It's going to be a shepherd, yes. They're going to be shepherds in the desert for 40 years. Now, if you think about 
great places to be a shepherd <laughs> and awful places to be a shepherd. I mean, this is, it's going to be a shepherd in the desert. Really? I mean, no. That, <laughs> what are you going to do in the desert? You've got to rely on God in the desert, and you will learn to rely on God in the desert. And that's kind of the point here. So let's move to 1 Samuel 17, 40. Who's got that one? All right. Who's, who's, who, who are we talking about? David. We're talking about David. David. And he chose for himself five smooth stones. Five smooth stones. So what's he about to do with these five smooth stones? That's right. But what does he do with them before he throws the first one at Goliath? Puts them in his shepherd's bag. Puts them in his shepherd's bag. In a pouch, which he had, and his sling was in his hand. I love it. Remember what, he, remember what Saul tried to get him to do right before he went out and fought Goliath? What Saul tried to get him to do? Put on Saul's armor. And Saul's armor didn't fit because Saul was like, you know, Gary makes this joke of 44 long and David's a 32 short and it just doesn't work and it's just, it's not a good thing. Um, David brought what he knew. David brought what he had. David brought what he was comfortable with and God used that. And it's beautiful. And, and if you compare the simplicity of the shepherd's bag, which how unintimidating is a shepherd? I, mean, I don't know what it looks like, but it's a bag, right? It's not armor. It's not a sword. It's a bag, right? It might be a fanny pack for all we know. I don't know. It's the Old Testament man bag, right? I, I don't know. Let's not get crazy here. But, uh, but he put five smooth stones in his shepherd's bag before he killed Goliath, right? And, and God exalts himself and, and lifts up his own name through this act of heroism using these little stones in a shepherd's bag. And you're like, praise the Lord. It's awesome. It's just a beautiful thing. So the shepherd's bag even shows up in the, in the story of Goliath, David and Goliath. Who's got number five? Milo. Yes, Miss Mala. When Saul was your, our king, you were the one who led Israel out and in. And the Lord said to you, you will be the shepherd of my people Israel. You will be the ruler over Israel. So the king, the, the people that, the, the person that God had appointed uh, after the people asked for a king to lead and rule, his job was to shepherd the people, right? That was one of the things that God had told him. And we'd act, it's kind of strange because we get this picture looking back that, that God tells David that, you know, I told Saul to shepherd the people, but we don't ever have a record or a transaction in Scripture of God telling Saul to shepherd the people. So I love these conversations where the Holy Spirit works through the writing of Scripture to say, and to illuminate something that happened that we don't have a direct glimpse into, we get a second-hand view into. So neat stuff there. So the leader was supposed to shepherd the people. Um, so what do we see in 1 Chronicles 17, 6? And it says, In all places wherein I have walked with all Israel, spake I a word with any of the judges of Israel, whom I commanded to be shepherd of my people, saying, Why have ye not built me a house of secrets? So we see that when Israel had a king, the king was supposed to shepherd. When Israel had judges, the judges were supposed to shepherd. So God does not leave his people without a shepherd. There's a theme that is running through this, okay? He does not leave his people without a shepherd. So what do we see in uh, 2 Chronicles 18, 16? Then Micaiah answered, I saw all Israel scattered on the hills like sheep without a shepherd. Yeah, sheep having no shepherd. And, and what, so we just, we just read the verses that said the king was supposed to shepherd, the judges were supposed to shepherd, so somebody's not doing their job, right? Yeah, 
Okay, so this is, every time you see this phrase, scattered like sheep having no shepherd, which shows up a lot in the Old Testament. Somebody in leadership is not doing their job. Okay? It's, just, it's tragic, but that's the reality. And then we come to Psalm 23. So who's got Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil, my cup burneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So if we had a job description for a shepherd, that, I think Psalm 23 is a pretty good one, right? So take care of them, feed them, lead them to the right place, care for their physical needs, make sure that they're looked after, to shepherd them. This is what this looks like. That's what it looks like. And then we get to Psalm 78, verses 71 and 72. Who's got that? He brought him from tending ewes to be shepherd over his people, Jacob over Israel, his inheritance. He shepherded them with a pure heart and guided them with his skillful hands. Absolutely. So we see these, again, these additional shepherds that come into this. So God himself shepherds the children of Israel. He's got Psalm 80, verse 1. Tell me what that shepherd of Israel looks like in your text. Capitalized. Capitalized S, yes. So who are we talking about? God. God, yes. Excellent. Uh, you who are enthroned above the cherubim, shine forth. Absolutely. So we see God is the shepherd. God is the shepherd. God is the shepherd. So the, the beautiful thing is that um, it, you, you can look at the scriptures. Um, you can look at the scriptures and you can see these built-in backup plans all throughout the scripture. Um, that, so, so God commanded the kingly leadership to shepherd the people. God commanded the judges to shepherd the people. But God also talks about himself as being a shepherd. So is Israel really ever without a shepherd? No, they're really not ever without a shepherd. They may be without a shepherd that they can see in flesh and blood that's standing next to them telling them what to do. But they always have a record of the scripture. They always have God himself that is shepherding them sometimes into places where they don't want to go and sometimes out of places where they want to come out of. But God is always the shepherd in the Old Testament and the new. It doesn't stop, right? It's the beautiful thing about each one of these I am's is that they don't ever stop. Jesus is the good shepherd forever. So Isaiah 38, 12, who's got that one? Um, the story of Hezekiah <clears throat> being healed and he writes a little she did air quotes around the song, just in case y'all are wondering, because I don't think she wants to sing it, so I think that's what we're talking about here, right? Yeah. Like a shepherd's tent, my house has been pulled down and taken from me. Like a shepherd's what? Tent. Why would a shepherd need a tent? They're moving, right? Because where do sheep live? Outside. Yes, shepherds don't get to live in palaces. Shepherds don't get to live in comfortable place. Shepherds are moving. Shepherds are out working with the, with the sheep. What does Isaiah 40, 11 say? He shall feed his flock like a shepherd. He shall gather with his own. Absolutely. So he's going to feed. The shepherd has a job to do and is to take care and to feed the flock. Thank you. Jeremiah 3, 14 and 15. Return, O faithless children, declares the Lord, for I am your master, and I 
I will take you, one from a city and two from a family, and I will bring you to Zion, and I will give you shepherds after my own heart who will feed you with knowledge and understanding. How beautiful is that, right? So God is going to pick shepherds for his people and give them to him who follow after God's heart. Oh, God help us to have shepherds today that follow after God's heart and who are truly those that are picked by God to do these jobs. It is, that, is a, that is a humbling, humbling passage. If you, if you walk up to a, any preacher that you know and you talk about that passage, that passage resonates very, very deeply with them because this is talking about their calling and God's passion that he has poured into them so that they can pour into the others and, and shepherd his people. But it's not always positive being a shepherd. So let's look at Jeremiah 30, or 23, 1 and 2. Yes, Ms. Rachel. Woe be unto the pastors that destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, saith the Lord. Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people. Ye have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. Sounds pretty bad. I'm going to say when God starts off talking, woe. All right? So those of you that have children or have ever seen children, um, when, when the parents of said children start talking, whoa, are things about to go well for that child? Have you ever heard, whoa, that was awesome? No, we don't use the word whoa for that's awesome coming next. Whoa is uh, I need to find a place that nobody can see because we're about to have a come to Jesus meeting and it's not going to go well for you. So, so God tells these shepherds, that really, I mean, honestly, you've been to Walmart, right? I mean, you have seen this, right? This nervous laughter. Everybody's like, oh, he whips his kid. You darn right, I whip my kids. They need it. Um, where was I at? Now I'm completely, <laughs> sorry, squirrel moment there. That's what I get for not sticking to the notes, right, Jules? Yep. Okay. All right, so I'm going to give you the blank for number 14. God warns against evil shepherds. Uh, I love the translation that you had there. It said pastors, right? And if you were following along, your translation might have said shepherd, and this is it's the same critter. That's the way this works. Um, but there is, there is, there are, there is, there are consequences associated with shepherds not doing their jobs well, and it's the way this works. Um, so Ezekiel thirty-four one through twelve and verse twenty-three again. A, a long, who had this one? How does this sound? Have you read through it yet? Yes. Does it feel good and happy and positive? Not for the shepherd. Not for the shepherd, right? <laughs> it feels like. Um, it feels like the shepherd is getting taken to the woodshed here, right? Yeah. And like, like we, are, we are really not going to have a pleasant day. So let's look at uh, Amos 3.12. And I want everybody to turn to Amos 3.12. Uh, congratulations if you brought a, a digital Bible today. Good luck if you brought a hard copy of the Scriptures. Um, if you sing the, the Bible song at this point or if you're referencing the index, good for you. Amos is a tough one to find. If you can flip directly to Amos, put a rose on your nose, uh, you win the Sunday school prize of the day, which is nothing. So um, do you have Amos 312? I do. Wonderful. We'll hang tight for just a sec because I want everybody to see this one before we get there. Whoop, hang tight, hang tight. Whoa. 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 <laughs> Did I say whoa? Oh, okay. <laughs> that would have been funny because that was completely unintentional. That was funny. All right, who's got? All right, you got it? Amos 3.12, we there? We close? We pretty close? It feels like the pages have slowed. Go for it. Thus says the Lord, as a shepherd takes from the mouth of a lion. Takes from the mouth of a lion. Okay. 
two legs or a piece of an ear, so shall the children of Israel be taken out of who dwell in Samaria. Now, I, I want you to picture this, visually picture this. A lion has two legs in his mouth. What is the implication? Where did the lion get these legs? Off of some animal that apparently the shepherd was responsible for. Right? Or a piece of a what? Hope you're done with breakfast. Yes. Um, Shepherd, here's my notes. Shepherds go after those that injure their flocks. Now, if the lion has the legs still in its mouth, do you think the lion wants to be disturbed at this particular moment? I'm guessing that tactically, if you put your, your military perspective on, this may not be the opportune time to attack the lion. Maybe it is. I don't know. Maybe that's the best time to attack a lion when they're grazing on something they've just chased. I know, personally, I don't like to have people challenge me while I'm eating. I like to just eat. Leave me alone and let me eat, right? It, it, can anybody relate? Y'all can't relate to this at all? Just been a long day. I've been out hunting. I got a good lamb here. I got two legs in my mouth. Got a little bit of ear behind the back teeth here. Let me eat. Leave me alone. And here comes the shepherd because the shepherd cares about his flock. And the shepherd is going to pursue his flock, even when it's injured, even when it's bloody, even when it's messy, even when it's hard or difficult or challenging or not safe. The shepherd will pursue. And there's a beautiful truth here for us. Because even when it was not safe for us, even when it was not safe for Jesus Christ, even when it was bloody, even when it was ugly, even when it was challenging, the shepherd pursued. I love it. I'm reading this verse this week, and I'm like, I cannot get over Amos 3.12. I have never resonated so deeply with a verse in Amos before. Okay? So I love this verse. It's fantastic. All right. So switch gears to the New Testament. Just a couple of verses in the New Testament. Luke 2, 8 through 12. Some of you can probably quote this. Because I don't know if you're enough. Luke 2, 8 through 12. Albert, Albert, you got it. In your best line of place. No, you can't hear it. Sorry. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold... Whoops, timed out. Fear not. <clears throat> First world problems, there you go. Yeah. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David... Unto who? Uh, city of David. Unto who? What's the next word? Um, unto, unto you. Who's he talking to? The shepherds. The angel shows up and says, Unto you, shepherds. Who is born? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Perfect. Stop right there. Unto you, shepherds, is born. Why would the angels go to shepherds to announce the birth of Jesus Christ? Who better to tell about the birth of the Lamb of God than shepherds? Right? God is, by the very conversation that He tells the angels to go have and announce to this people, these shepherds, the lamb is here. This perfect lamb that you have been looking for in the entire Old Testament to be the sacrifice, to fulfill the whole law, is here. I love that he did not send the angels to kings. 
He did not send the angels to the government. He did not send the angels to the religious leaders. He did not send the angels to the most popular people in school or in the workplace. He sent the angels to the shepherds because the lamb is here. I love it. It is just, it, it, it blows my mind. So shepherds hear the birth of Christ. It's a gorgeous thing. And then in Acts 20, verse 28, who's got that? among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So we have overseers to shepherds. So all these references to the Old Testament shepherding, they feed, they care, they tend, they, they water, they protect, they, they go after. All of this gets summed up by this challenge to New Testament pastors. This is your job. This is what you go do, you shepherd. 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. Who's got that? I do. Yes, Tim. Therefore, I exhort the elders among you as your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily according to the will of God, and not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive... Who do you think the chief shepherd is? Christ. Yeah, it's Jesus. That's right. The shepherds have a shepherd. This is a big deal. All but one shepherd in the history of the universe has a shepherd. Okay? So everybody that's ever breathed, other than Jesus, gets shepherded. If you are a shepherd now leading a church, if you're a shepherd leading your family, if you're a shepherd doing whatever, you get led. This is one of the fundamental truths in all of Christianity is that we are all led. That's the way this works. And you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Hey, so there's a reward, right? I like that. All right, so last week when we talked about uh, door of the sheep, uh, I saved the last verse in Revelation until kind of the closing comments. And this last door that shows up in the Bible is what? Is it open or is it closed? This last door is open. It is the door of heaven is open. Is a big, big, big deal, right? I love this last verse, Revelation 7, 17. This is the last shepherd reference in the Bible. Who's got it? Ah, here we go. Got a good manly voice deep. Here, here we go. No pressure. For the Lamb, which is in the midst of the throne. So the who? The who? The Lamb. The Lamb, lamb, right? The Lamb of God. Here we go. All right. right. Awesome. All right. And he shall feed them and shall lead them into living countless. Does that sound like the job of a shepherd? Feeding and leading? Yes. Yes, that is the job of a shepherd. So the Lamb is fulfilling the job of the shepherd. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Yeah. It's beautiful. The great shepherd gives the ultimate example of shepherding the last time the word shepherd shows up in the Bible. I don't think I can fit the word shepherd into a sentence any more than that. So it's beautiful. Jesus gives us this example. So you say, so what's the point, Jim? Well, here's the point. All right. Number one, shepherds, under application, shepherds have a job to do. Feeding, caring, protecting, loving, and they have an example to follow. Who's their example to follow? Jesus Christ, right? Jesus is the example to follow. So the personalization on number one for the shepherds is follow the good shepherd, Jesus. Sometimes the lessons are straightforward. You know? 
Number two, sheep have a job to do. Sheep are to eat. Sheep are to obey. Sheep are to submit, to follow. And we have an example to follow. Our example to follow is the Lamb of God. Jesus, <laughs> right? So personalization for the sheep is follow the good shepherd, Jesus. So we see that Jesus is the bread of life. He is the light of the world. He is the door of the sheep and the good shepherd. And the thing that I love about all these examples, and I've said this several times, the thing I love about all these examples is that everybody understands what these things are. Everybody understands what bread is, what light is, what a door is, and what shepherds are. This is just innate built into human beings that we understand these types of concepts. Everybody can relate with these things. That's why Jesus was a master teacher. So next week, we will look at I am the resurrection and the life. And I'm excited about that one because the resurrection is kind of my favorite thing in all the scripture. So I think Easter is a big deal. So we'll talk a little bit about resurrections and where they show up and why that's a big, hairy, audacious thing. So sound good? Awesome. Cool. Well, thank you for coming to Sunday school today. Um, if you will lean in at your tables, there's a weekly update on the, in the middle there. Uh, make sure you've got your prayer requests written out on those. Uh, put your name at the bottom for attendance. And pray as a table, and you are dismissed. Uh, and we do need to put the chairs up this morning uh, before we go. So thanks for coming, guys.